fourth advent candle to be lit is the wise men candle. And lo, the star which the wise men had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and frankincense, gold, and myrrh. This is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Christmas is almost here, and our gift-giving is almost over. But here is the story of three wise men who brought gifts to Jesus. All these gifts are just small reminders of the gifts Jesus brought to us. We celebrate his first gift at Christmas, that he loved us so much that he became one of us. In a few months, we'll celebrate the gift of Easter, that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead so that we might have salvation and eternal life. Let us pray. Lord, Christmas is almost over and Easter is months away. Help me see that all the days between are also holidays and holy days, because each one brings me closer to you. Amen. We stand as we sing hymn number 86.
Our scripture lesson for today comes from the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. O Lord, we come to you this morning from many places in our lives. Some of us are filled with joy and anticipation as we await the celebration of the coming of your son. Others of us may say Merry Christmas and paint a smile on our faces, but Within, we are filled with hurt and confusion and turmoil. But we all come to you, O God. We come to you with the certain assurance that you are our peace. So give us your peace today. We thank you that you have fulfilled this prophecy by sending your son to be born in that stable so many years ago. And we thank you for the redemption and love that birth brings to the world. May we be a part of that work of redemption. May our hearts be filled with love for one another. May our hearts be filled today with you. Amen.
is so good. We've had so many blessings. I am so thankful for my church family who has been encouraging and held me in prayers and everything. And now as we come to this part of the worship where we can bring our offerings to God, let us pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for the many blessings of this year. Thank you for your presence with us during the good and the bad times, surrounding us with your love and giving us strength. But thank you most of all at this time for Jesus coming to earth to help us to come into a personal relationship with you and to teach us of your love. At this time, when we give our offering, bless our offering so it can be used to bring many others into a personal relationship with you, Lord, so they will learn of your love for them and that they can receive your blessings. Amen.
Well, you just do it to me all the time. You just make me follow acts like that. And it's hard to do. I think I'm going to just start having my sermon right off the bat on Sunday morning so I can avoid that kind of uh, embarrassment of following an act like that. Thank you so much, Summer. I appreciate your ministry there and and your words and, and your beautiful voice. And thank you for sharing that gift with us today. Um, today, on this final Sunday of Advent, we would like to celebrate small towns. How many of you were raised in a small town? Okay, small towns are just a, a little bit different, aren't they? As, as someone has written, you know you live in a small town when a baby born on June the 14th receives lots of gifts from the local merchants because it's the first baby born of the year. And you know you live in a small town when you speak to each dog that you pass by name and he wags his tail at you. You know you live in a small town when you can walk, you cannot walk for exercise because every car that passes by offers you a ride. And you know that you live in a small town when you get a whiff of manure and you think of home. And then finally, you know you live in a small town when there is no village idiot. Everybody has to take a turn. (laughs) Yes, small towns are just a little bit different. Janelle White's family moved to a small town and she decided to check in with the police department and the fire department just in case her family had an emergency. And so she dialed the number listed for the police department And a woman answered the phone and said, courthouse. And so so Janelle asked, may I have the police department? And the woman replied, he's not here right now. Can I take a message? Now, that's a small town. There was a newspaper ad for a general store in Loretta, Wisconsin, that listed its location as right across the street from the phone booth. That's all that was needed for everybody to find it. It was right across the street from the phone booth. Ah, small towns. They're so wonderful and so quaint. But the reason that we are celebrating small towns today is because Jesus was born in a small town. And every year we sing Philip Brooks's beautiful hymn that we sang just a moment ago, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Brooks wrote those words in 1868 after a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. He was inspired by the view of Bethlehem from the surrounding hills of Palestine, especially at night. And his church organist, Louis Redner, wrote the melody for that hymn. But this is a hymn that that really catches our imagination, doesn't it? We can almost see Bethlehem in our mind's eye as we sing this beautiful hymn together. But Jesus was born in this small town to fulfill the prophecy 
that was found in Micah 5, verses 2 through 5. It says, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathra, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, and now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be our peace. In Hebrew, the town is Bet-Lechem, which means house of bread. And for Christians, it is significant that it is the house of bread where he who would be known as the bread of life was born. Now, today, Bethlehem is a city of approximately 50,000 people. But when Jesus was born there, it was a tiny little village. It was only about five miles south of Jerusalem, about a two and a half hour, a two and a half hour walk. But Mary and Joseph didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived in Nazareth. And they went to Bethlehem because of the census that was ordered by Caesar Augustus. But the journey that was from Nazareth to Bethlehem was much more difficult than the journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It's about 80 miles. I want to ask you something. How many of you have ever tried to ride a donkey 80 miles while you're nine months pregnant? Not exactly a walk in the park. But you know, something, somehow this, this tiny little village seems to capture the essence of the Christ event. For you see, Bethlehem reminds us that God can use ordinary people and ordinary places in an extraordinary way. You know, each year we have to fight to maintain the, the simple nature of Christianity. Christmas in a world that is filled with glaring materialism. You may remember the story of the television reporter who was interviewing people on the streets of Tokyo at Christmas time. Just like here in America, Christmas shopping is a is a huge commercial enterprise in Japan, even though Christians are a very tiny minority in that land, somewhere around one or two percent. So the interviewer stopped one young Japanese woman on the street and asked her, what is the meaning of Christmas? And laughing, this young woman responded, I I don't know. Is that the day Jesus died? You know, we have to maintain a constant vigil to ensure that the birth of the Messiah does not degenerate into the worship of material possessions. And if you think about it, that's really a hard thing to do in this day and time with all of the commercial emphasis surrounding Christmas. Maybe your family will gather around the television this Christmas season to watch one more time the classic motion picture, It's a Wonderful Life. Have you seen it this year yet? No, I haven't either. Has it been on? I haven't seen it, but I'm going to see it because I've got it on on DVD or or VHS, and I'm going to see it before Christmas is over. Actor Jimmy Stewart, who starred in that film, offered his reflection on the meaning of this film. 
And this is what he says. He says, the character I played was George Bailey, an ordinary kind of fellow who thinks he has never accomplished anything in life. His dreams of becoming a famous architect, of traveling the world and living luxuriously have not been fulfilled. Instead, he feels trapped in a humdrum job in a small town. And when faced with a crisis in which he feels he has failed everyone, he breaks under the strain and flees to the bridge. That's when his guardian angel, Clarence, comes down on Christmas Eve to show him what his community would be like without him. The angel takes him back through his life to show how our ordinary, everyday efforts are really big achievements. Clarence reveals how George's loyalty to his job at the building and loan office has saved many families and many homes. How his little kindnesses have changed the lives of others and how the ripples of his love will spread throughout the world, helping to make it a better place. Today, after some 50 years, he said, I've I've heard the film called an American cultural phenomenon. Well, maybe so. But it seems to me that there's nothing phenomenal about the movie itself. It's simply about an ordinary man who discovers that living each ordinary day honorably with faith in God and a selfless concern for others can make for a truly wonderful life. You know, there are no superstars in the Christmas story. Even the master comes into the world under the most inauspicious circumstances, a stable, a manger, shepherds in a field, a humble couple with no place to lay their head. Robert Lee put it in a humorous way when he said Christianity is filled with paradoxes. The Israelites expected the Messiah to be a great warrior and king, but what they got was a carpenter. You generally don't expect the guy who's doing your kitchen cabinets to save the world. (laughs) And you don't. But that's precisely the point. Bethlehem reminds us that God can use ordinary people and ordinary places in an extraordinary way. But Bethlehem also reminds us that we are a part of that sacred history. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. And that is important. The coming of of Christ was a part of God's covenant with the people of Israel and, and really with people everywhere. Bethlehem was no accidental birthplace. Bethlehem was where Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, was buried and where Israel's greatest king, David, was born. Samuel anointed David as king of Israel in Bethlehem. And David was a descendant of Ruth and Boaz who were married in Bethlehem. The Messiah was to be of the house and lineage of David. And and folks, we are a part of that sacred history that extends all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. We often say that Christmas is all about tradition. And it is. The word tradition comes from the Latin word traditio, 
which means the action of handing over. And it's true that over the centuries, Christian people have been handing over from one generation to to the next, the, the songs and the stories and the rituals that have come to mean Christmas to us. And that's a vital part of our lives. We treasure that which has been handed down to us. It's important to us and it connects us with a long history of God at work. In mid-December, the year before her first child was born, a woman named Kathy was given a baby shower by her family. And after opening what she thought was her last present, she found one additional box wrapped in not in, in baby shower paper, but in Christmas paper. It bore a card that read, To My Daughter. This one is from my mom, Kathy announced as she opened the gift. Inside it was a quilt. She tried to smile as she held it up for all to see, but secretly she hoped that her mom couldn't see her face because her mother would know that her smile was not genuine. You see, the quilt was not very pretty. It was not a baby quilt at all. It was not made of pink or blue or yellow materials. It didn't have bunnies or bears. It was just a a patchwork quilt sewn from materials that were of all different colors and patterns. But then holding up the quilt, Kathy noticed that there was a note tucked into the bottom of the box. And not realizing that the note was intended to be private, she set the quilt aside and picked up the note and began to read it out loud. Then she discovered that her mother had made that quilt. And the unmatched materials were remnants of her life that her mother had saved over the years. She had cut swatches of material from items dating all the way back to her first Christmas. The dress that she wore that day. Some of the swatches were as current as the shirt that she wore when she went to the doctor's office to find out that she was pregnant. Her mother had literally accumulated patches of her life over all of those years to make this quilt And by the time Kathy finished reading her mom's letter telling of the patch of her mother's old robe, she remembered it well. It was fleece, and she used to insist that her mother wear it so that she could lay her head on it when her mother would rock her to sleep. And the patch of her dad's old flannel shirt that she used to put on after taking a bath. And each and every other patch and its meaning. After reading all of that, there was not a dry eye in the room. Kathy picked up that quilt and held it against her. And she cried. To think, just seconds before, she thought that this quilt was ugly. But now it was beautiful. In fact, it was the most beautiful quilt that she had ever seen because this quilt was made of her life and with her mother's love. We know Christmas is kind of like that, isn't it? We have traditions from many lands and many cultures all stitched together to make a holiday 
that's like no other holiday. It is a tradition that reminds us of our history. And and actually, it goes back many centuries, even before the birth of that baby in a manger. All the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. All the way back to Moses and Joshua and David. All the way back to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah. Actually, it goes even further back than that. It goes all the way back to the time when God took the dust of the earth and created man and woman and breathed into them the ruach, the spirit, the breath of life. It is a tradition of divine purpose and love. And so Bethlehem reminds us that God can use ordinary people and circumstances in an extraordinary way. And Bethlehem also reminds us that we're a part of that sacred history. But then one final thing, the most important thing of all, Bethlehem reminds us that God is with us. Listen again to Micah's words. He shall stand and feed his his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure. And now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. I love those words. He shall be their peace. Do you see that? Christ doesn't simply bring us peace. He is our peace. Where Christ is, there is peace. And perhaps your life is filled with conflict or unhappiness or emotional pain during this Christmas season. And that's true for a lot of people. All the happiness and good cheer of this season can sometimes be a mask to cover up the desperate hurt that many people feel. And so the appropriate prayer for this season of the year is not bring us peace, bring us happiness, or bring us hope. I think the appropriate prayer at this time of the year is this. Lord Jesus, give me yourself. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be born anew in me. You see, where Christ is, there's peace and there's happiness and there's joy. Sue Monk Kidd writes about her visit to a monastery around Christmas time many years ago. And she said that she passed a monk walking outside of the church and she nodded her head at him and said, Merry Christmas. And the monk replied, May Christ be born in you. Well, at the time, Sue thought that this was a peculiar greeting, but she never forgot it. And with time, she came to realize the power of that simple message. May Christ be born in you. For you see, when when Christ dwells within us, there is peace. When Christ really and truly is living within our hearts, when we are connected with that child in a baby, that child in a manger, when we are truly connected there, 
there is peace in our hearts. And so you see, Christmas is not simply a remembering an event that took place 2,000 years ago when the power of God took on the frailty of a baby. It's about a living reality that's repeated every year in the heart of the believer. As the word of God who found a dwelling in Mary's womb comes to knock on each of our hearts every year. And indeed every day. So it's true that small towns are a little bit different. Christ was born in a small town, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. But Bethlehem reminds us that God can use ordinary people in ordinary places in an extraordinary way. And Bethlehem reminds us that we're a part of that sacred history. And that's why the traditions of Christmas are so important to us. But most importantly, Bethlehem reminds us that God is with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And here's what Christ wants for us in this Christmas season. Christ wants to be born anew in our hearts. And that's my prayer for this day, that Christ would be born in your heart today. Amen. Thank you.